I'm Tisha Bader and in the news, the recent rocket attacks on Israel. After an almost four month lull, several rockets were fired from Gaza at Southern Israel. The first was on April the 18th. And just over a week later, a rocket was launched from Lebanon at Northern Israel. Is this, we hope, just a temporary renewal of these type of attacks on Israel in response perhaps to the recent tensions and violence at the Temple Mount? And where does Lebanon come into play in this scenario? To help us better understand the situation is the military correspondent for the Times of Israel, Manny Fabian. Manny is also a student of communications and Middle Eastern studies at Ben-Gurion University. He made Aliyah to Israel from London in 2005 and is speaking to us from the city of Beersheba. Manny, thank you so much for joining us here on JBS. Thanks for having me today. So let's start with the rockets from Gaza, which we have seen intermittently since Israel's war with terror group Hamas in Gaza in May of last year, where of course Israel was bombarded with rockets. But things have been fairly quiet as you recently wrote about for the Times of Israel for a few months now. Talk about how you see the series of events that seem to have led to the recent launches. So since the war in May last year, it was very quiet. There was one or two rocket attacks uh, every few months or so. Then uh, two rockets were fired uh, supposedly accidentally at Tel Aviv off the coast in January. And then we had four months where it was there was nothing. It was completely quiet. And then um, the whole tensions on the Temple Mount and in Jerusalem uh, began, um, which was kind of a combination of Ramadan and Passover and a few other things put together. And these sort of tensions likely sparked um, what, what we what we saw now, is, which is uh, the recent rocket attacks on, on southern Israel. And so do you see that it's probably just going to be that, like a knee-jerk reaction to what happened? Or this isn't Hopefully, you know, this is not pointing towards anything more serious than that, any any escalation, or what are your thoughts on that? Well, right now it seems like most of the, the high uh, heat has uh, kind of gone down a bit from um, kind of the Ramadan events, but then Ramadan still is going on for another week or so. So there's still a bit of a, um, there's a bit of, you know, the, the army's, you know, kind of ready for, for any further attacks uh, that might come because of the, the last days of Ramadan. But it's unlikely that there'll be any more clashes because Jews are now prevented from going onto the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. So uh, it seems like it will, it will mostly stay calm. Um, but from Lebanon, that's uh, something else that uh, needs to be kept an eye on. Yeah, let's get to that in a moment. Just speaking about the IDF uh, for a minute with, with the Gaza rockets, IDF always stressing that they hold Hamas responsible for these attacks. When the IDF responds to these attacks, they hit Hamas terror targets. But it's not always Hamas necessarily who's launching the rockets. There are other Palestinian terror groups within Gaza. What What is sort of the the balance of, of power there, of control there, if you will, from what you understand? So from what I know, the assessment, at least in, in the army and in the defense establishment, is uh, that the recent attacks were, uh, con- were, con- were launched by the uh, Palestinian Islamic Jihad rather than Hamas. Uh, and there's been a lot of tensions with Islamic Jihad, especially in the Janine area of the West Bank, where 
there has been uh, several gun battles there with, with the Palestinian terrorists who are affiliated with the group. And that is also kind of you know, mixed into it. So the recent attacks uh, have been kind of blamed on them unofficially, but the army always says that it holds Hamas responsible and targets only Hamas uh, sites. The rare times that the army will focus its attacks on Palestinian Islamic Jihad sites is when the group officially takes responsibility for launching them. At the same time, yeah. No, go sure. ahead, please. Uh, at the same time, um, the reason why the army strikes Hamas sites instead of Islamic Jihad, even if they know who launched it, uh, and even if they didn't confirm that they launched it, but, but the army knows anyway, uh, is because um, Hamas generally has a pretty strong hold on Gaza. So any anything that gets launched from there is obviously with their sort of approval of some kind by them, you know, not stopping them. We've seen in the past Islamic Jihad members wanting to launch rockets at Israel and Hamas stopping them, arresting them, shooting them even. There's been a lot of violence between the two groups. Um, but if rockets are being launched, it's safe to, it's a safe bet that Hamas uh, basically approved it. So kind of turning a blind eye, yeah. allowing this to happen. Why isn't Palestinian Islamic Jihad taking credit? Why is why are we not hearing um, that from Gaza? Sometimes it's it's sort of a, you know, we, we we see that more often to say, yes, it was us. Why is it sort of being kept on the on the down low? I think um, in general, it, there's not too many claims of launching rockets unless it's during a, a, a serious escalation or during a war. Um, but these, I would say these sporadic attacks, you know, one or two rockets at a, at a field in, in southern Israel or near a town or even at a town. Um, generally, no one really confirms that they launched it um, because I think kind of the goal for them is to show that they're there, that they're present, that they you know, want to get back at Israel or something, but without, you know, dragging the whole region into another war again. Whereas, you know, during the war last year, Hamas would announce like 10 seconds before launching an attack, they would they would say like, we're launching rockets to Tel Aviv now. And that was more of a part of the whole escalation. Interesting. So it's more of a reminder, like we have this capability. It, do you see it as more of a, like a threat or just sort of a reminder that this could be a response to actions that Israel takes or doesn't take. So yeah, they, they never really, you know, when, when there's clashes on the Temple Mount and then a rocket will be launched and no one will confirm it, but then like a day later, some Hamas official or some Islamic Jihad official will say something along the lines of, we warn Israel for any other further attacks or something like that. So that it's, it's kind of them posturing and, and reminding that they do have the capability to, to kind of, escalate further but by not confirming it also gives Israel this kind of well no one's confirmed it so we don't have to strike back as hard kind of uh, view. Understood so let's turn to Lebanon as you said a slightly different situation there what do you make of the rocket that was launched I think it was on the 20, uh, 25th or something no prior to that actually um, but about a week after the the rocket from Gaza, what do you make of that happening, which is not a, a normal occurrence to, to see rockets from Lebanon, although it's happened, obviously? Yeah, it's, it's not too uh, normal, but it has been at least in the past year. So in the war in May, there were several um, events of rockets being launched from Lebanon. 
Some of them fell short in Lebanon. I think maybe two or three managed to cross over throughout the whole war. And um, at the time, it's a very similar situation to Gaza. So there, Israel blames Palestinian factions, or what they call Palestinian factions, which is basically a branch of Hamas in Lebanon. And in Lebanon, there's Hezbollah, which controls most of the southern Lebanon area. And there, they also have a very strong hold. So anything launched from there usually has to have the approval of Hezbollah, so, so the belief goes. So it's a very similar situation to how it is in Gaza with Hamas, but in Lebanon, it's with Hezbollah. Now, um, so there was a couple in May, and then there was one in August, uh, or two in August of last year. And after that event, when Israel struck back, Hezbollah then got involved themselves and launched 20-something rockets at, uh, at northern Israel, but they all landed in an open area or were intercepted. So this recent attack uh, is again looking like kind of a, a Hamas branch in Lebanon or some other Palestinian faction there. And then Hezbollah gave some sort of, you know, turned a blind eye or kind of approved this, this attack. And Israel's response again was very, I don't want to say a light response, but but the response was launching artillery shells where the where the site the launch site was, which is basically just a, a hill somewhere. So it wasn't exactly targeting a um, you know like a, a mil, uh, like a Hamas base or or like a weapons uh, depot or something like that. So the the response was very light uh, in comparison to how we've seen strikes in Gaza, probably for the reason of not wanting to escalate further with Hezbollah, which is deemed to be quite a big threat for Israel. So what, what is different about this rocket from, from Lebanon and the threat from Lebanon? Um, as you mentioned, there are Palestinian factions within uh, that country, but Hezbollah is sort of allowing this to happen. So how is it, how does it differ from rockets coming from Gaza as far as what that could possibly mean? So it's, it's, it's a bit of a nuisance for, for Israel because um, right now it's, you know, one rocket here, one rocket there, but but if this continues, then Israel will have to try and figure a way to try and stop this, but without provoking Hezbollah uh, into kind of joining in again, like it did in August, and perhaps, you know, uh, making this go even further to something more, um, you know, something similar to like the war in, in Gaza in May, because Hezbollah is believed to have a lot of rockets, like way more than Hamas, and a lot more accurate missiles as well. There's, uh, the military has been for a long time attempting to uh, curb the Hezbollah uh, precision guided missile program, which is, you know, funded by Iran and everything. So there's there's a big um, there's a big threat for Israel, uh, Hezbollah. So these these Palestinian factions launching simple rockets, you know, it, it, you can it's tolerable for a while. But at, at some point, if this continues, Israel will have to try and figure out a way to to deal with that without provoking a, a further conflict. And you mentioned Iran. Uh, I was just reading that there was a Hamas delegation reportedly um, visiting Tehran just to report. But Hezbollah, as you mentioned, has this, the backing of Iran. And that brings in a whole nother level, um, as you mentioned, of, of threat to Israel. Yes. Yeah, so um, Iran's support for Hezbollah is very strong. Um, uh, the recent estimates for Hezbollah was something between 100 to 130,000 uh, rockets, including precision guided missiles. Not quite sure exactly how many of those they have, um, but that's 
a lot more than what Hamas has. Now, Hamas is Hamas and the Islamic Jihad are also, you know, supported by Iran, but not. It's a bit more difficult uh, considering the the blockade that's on the Gaza Strip, both by Israel and by Egypt, uh, which prevents quite a lot of uh, arms reaching them. Uh, even though that a lot of the a lot of the rockets they fired during May were locally produced, with a lot of Iranian funding and help, obviously. So, with Hezbollah, that's uh, it, that's really what Israel wants to avoid is avoid dragging uh, the region into another war, especially with a, a player who's considered to be a lot, a lot more, a lot more of a threat. Absolutely. And there were just all these weapons stopped at the border with Lebanon, um, trying to be smuggled into Israel, presumably um, or suspected at least to to be have been meant to use. Uh, to get to, I guess, Gaza or the West Bank to use against uh, Israeli targets. There were like a hundred grenades and um, several machine guns. What do you make of that? So, so that's a very interesting thing that started a, a, maybe a year or so ago um, where at least the, the security officials I spoke to, uh, they said that these, these, the goal of these uh, smuggling attempts, it used to be Hezbollah would smuggle drugs uh, into Israel and to other countries to fund itself. It's a, a very high source of of its funding is, um, you know, marijuana and other drugs. But um, in the past year or so, they've been smuggling weapons into northern Israel. Now, the security officials, Israeli security officials, say that uh, these smugglings are are not. They are also to help fund themselves, but mainly um, to have Arab Israelis armed with weapons. Less Palestinians in the West Bank and Gaza, but but uh, Israelis, uh, Israeli Arabs in Israel. Now, uh, what they noticed was um, probably during the May conflict, there was a lot of intercommunal violence in Israel, in uh, cities with uh, mixed Jewish and Arab populations. There were several um, events of people being shot, both Jews with guns and Arabs with guns, legal and illegal. So this goal that security officials believe is Iran is attempting to kind of send in tons of these uh, illegal guns into uh, northern Israel or into Arab towns. So in the event of, you know, more violence in Israel, then it would be used against um, Jews, against political targets and, uh, and, other, uh, and other targets. So the recent event with the grenades was very unusual. Um, police said it was the first time they, had, at least in a long time, that they had seized grenades. Um, being smuggled, and usually it's handguns or a rifle. Um, so it was a very unusual event, um, for sure. And you also write about um, the the Syria aspect. I don't know if you have a minute to get into um, Israel and the threat from Syria and the uh, you know the Iranian presence there as well. So the, the I would say the Iranian presence in Syria. It's, it's definitely on Israel's priority, but the, what, what really they're looking at there is preventing the, um, the, the transfer of these uh, precision missiles and other, you know, other kind of uh, game-changing um, weapons and arms to Lebanon, to Hezbollah uh, and elsewhere. So in, in Syria itself, most of the reported strikes that are attributed to Israel usually against um, sites or warehouses where weapons are being stored before being transferred over to Lebanon. Um, with Iranian, you know, kind of itself in, in Syria, um, there was a report, I believe, a year or two ago that said that 
there had been quite a bit less Iranian um, uh, presence in southern Syria, less than what was maybe four or five years ago. So there seems to be something working for the army um, with regards to that. Um, I don't know what exactly the situation is today, uh, but I believe most of the strikes are against um, of what is weapon shipment to Lebanon rather than preventing Iran from being there itself. Now, Manny, you just became the military correspondent for the Times of Israel a few months ago. That's correct, yeah. You've, you've been writing for them for a while and reporting for quite a while, but I'm sure this has been very intense. It was February of this year, so I was just looking at your Twitter feed and it, it's, it's overwhelming. Um, how, how have you been adjusting to this new position and what are the daily challenges like for you dealing with this um, situation, which is, which is changing every day and there are more players involved every day? What's that been like for you? It's been quite a challenge, I'll be honest. I mean, I've been doing this for quite a long time, uh, dealing with, with the military and defense things, but now I'm actually having to, to write about it all the time. And it was a busy month. Those are, those are quite a few terror attacks in, uh, in Beersheba and in, in where I live uh, in Tel Aviv and Bnei Brak. Um, there, was quite, there was quite a few events and then all of a sudden there was rocket fire and there was clashes on the Temple Mount. So it's been very busy and there's quite a lot to talk about. And a lot of it connects, you know, there's the rocket fire was like both from Lebanon and from Gaza was probably connected to the clashes on the Temple Mount and the clashes on the Temple Mount came because of all sorts of other reasons. So all of these events, events kind of tie together and um, there's, you know, after, after all, you know, there was also um, clashes in the West Bank as well with, uh, with gunmen who were attempting to commit attacks, but that came before the clashes. So, uh, looking at it now, like from from a month later, looking at bigger picture of, of all these events, uh, to me, it's very interesting to see how they kind of all tie together. They're all related somehow, definitely. And living in Beersheba, let's just talk about that that horrible terror attack recently. I know it's one thing to cover things from your desk, from your computer, at sort of a safe distance, but when the attack is happening in your city, what was that experience like for you? It was it was definitely a bit of a shock. I was um, I was nearby, but not too close by when it happened. Um, and uh, it's a place where I go to often, honestly, um, where the attack took place. Uh, I find myself there, you know, more than once once a week. And one of the victims is my neighbor as well. So it's it's all so very sorry. close to home. Thank you. It's okay. Um, so yeah, it was it was very it was very different. Um, you know, covering something that, that really hit uh, quite close to home this time. Um, and it was a very similar feeling to how it was during the war in May as well, uh, having to cover the war while I was running to shelter at least 40 or 50 times throughout the whole event. So it, it's, it's a, it's a pecu peculiar feeling and uh, not, not something great to, to be. And it's difficult as well when, when reporting on something to try and step back a second and try and look at it in, a, in an objective way and not uh, get you know, too emotional about something happening right, right next to you. Absolutely, that is a huge challenge, I'm sure, because as you said, you're, you're running to a, to a, a shelter, to, to a safe room when there is a siren that does not give you very much time to do so. And then also trying to report on things and take the emotion out of it uh, has gotta be very tough. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Especially in, in May, that was very tough for me. 
and not being able to sleep for you know a week with all the sirens constantly going off and then having to try and report on that without getting you know too annoyed about the situation to try and get the facts out right and uh yeah it's 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 a tough thing to do and especially this last month as well has been been pretty tough as well I can imagine. And real quick, how do you navigate? You probably can't speak that much about it, but how do you navigate with getting information from the IDF? And then I imagine you also have some sources of information from the Palestinian Authority or from from Gaza, from the West Bank um, sources. How How is it to navigate getting that information, trying to get the story, the facts to report on as as you know, honestly and truthfully and uh, factually as possible. Yeah, so I, I always try and, uh, you know, cross-reference information I have from various sources. If it's from um, a source that I have or from officially from the army or from the police or from a, a security official or and, you know, checking out media reports or social media reports to see if things line up correctly. Um, there's always that. So generally when I, when I, nowadays when I tweet something or when I write something, spend a bit more time just making sure that what I am writing is, is either correct or that I, that it's, uh, you know, I'm giving the correct citation to something so that I'm not just repeating something that the army told me without actually verifying uh, that it happened the way that they told me it happened. So it's, it's sometimes a bit of a challenge and it happened during the, the recent rocket attacks um, as well. The army reported that it intercepted four rockets, um, but I, um, I spoke to a, a source who lives uh, in the area and uh, he has a camera pointed at Gaza and he did not see any rockets being launched at the time. So it was a very difficult situation whether or not, and then the army later clarified that yeah, no rockets were fired. But in those cases, it's very important to say that, um, to kind of report that, that it was the army that said it and it's not you know, definitely a fact that happened and something that should be looked into a bit more. Right. And sometimes, you know, things happening in the moment, you're getting information in the moment and then it's it's not clear at the time. Was it a false alarm? Was there a rocket launched? It's very tricky to know. And yeah. to, you know, the IDF itself uh, providing in the moment information. And uh, lastly, I just wanted to ask you with having taken on this role just a few months ago, looking at, as you said, all these things that are really interconnected, this pattern of events happening, the clashes on the Temple Mount, clashes in the West Bank, uh, rockets being fired, Ramadan. What are your, what's your analysis and what do you hope to see or what do you see looking forward? I know it's impossible to predict the future, but what are your thoughts as far as the next few days, few weeks, what are we looking at? Yeah, so I, I really don't like predicting things. It's, it's never a good thing. Um, but right now it seems like Ramadan will end Hopefully, quietly. That's what that's what that's what I'm hoping for. It's probably most people are hoping for, especially the the hundreds of thousands of uh, Palestinian worshippers who want to go on the Temple Mount and, and and pray there peacefully. I don't think anyone's really looking to you know to 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 make the situation worse. So hopefully, Ramadan will end peacefully and there won't be much. But then there's also Yamatmot coming up, which can be a bit of a sensitive time. Um, and then we'll see from there. Well, I'm not really sure yet, but. Generally, uh, when these kind of events explode, it's it's usually a couple of events here and there that, you know, a miscalculation by one side and then all of a sudden you're at war again. 
So that's that's usually what happens. Right now, but you know, looking at it broadly, it, it seems like things are mostly back to normal. And I agree with you and hope certainly we all hope that uh, things remain calm and uh, that we see the the end of uh, the holy Muslim month of Ramadan end peacefully, allowing freedom of worship and having a calm situation for everybody. And uh, thank you so much, Manny, for thank joining you. us. We appreciate it very much. Manny Fabian is the military correspondent for the Times of Israel. We thank him so much for joining us here on JBS. And thank you as always to our director, Sloan Copeland, managing director, Dara Golub, technical manager, Michael Paley, transmissions manager, John McDevitt, and producer, Carol Lilienthal. And thank you for watching In the News. Be well. <laughs>